0: Welcome, and step into the minds of addiction and recovery. Hello, I'm your host, Brett C. It is an honor to bring into light one of the darkest aspects of our society, addiction. With 20 years of active addiction and 20 years of sobriety, I hope to bring together all listeners on a journey of inspiration and education. With my co-hosts, Jared F. and Rich J., we will be sharing our experience, strength, and hope for all listeners to enjoy and have fun with. Now, F3 Recovery brings you the Super Sober Podcast. All right, welcome to the 11th Super Sober Podcast. Welcome everybody out there in listener land, and video land, YouTube, or on all platforms. We just got through the 10th episode on the last one, and that is the finishing of all the 12 steps and the barriers and the beginning foundational work in recovery. So now we're going to have guests on here doctors, professionals, all types of fun's going to be had. So now that we got the foundational stuff out of the way with recovery and how to get into it and learn the steps and practice it and what we can do, we're going to now start doing some other processes on the Super sober podcast and this is number 11. My name is Brett C, I'm your host. I'm an RN with a BSN. My sobriety date's 42103. I've been working in hospitals for about 18 years. I've been working chemical dependency for the last nine years, helping people with this unbelievable, convoluted, deadly disease, addiction, addiction, addiction. And then we'll go right over to our left.
1: That was good. <laughs> so, right, get my my name is Rich. Uh, my recovery date is October 5th, 2013. <laughs> since that time, uh, well, since 2014, I've been working in treatment centers, uh, inpatient facilities, just helping addicts and people with mental illness. Um, and then for the last two years, I've been in nursing school as well. And uh, I graduate on Friday. Um, so that's what? Friday. And then, uh, yeah, we have another person here that's also a nurse. And so we got three nurses up here, what? three male nurses. And so I want to introduce you to Anthony.
2: Hi, my name is Anthony B. I am a RN, BSN, and um, PHN. And God willing, next week, I'll graduate from nurse practitioners so I can put N.P. behind my name. That's right. Um, my sobriety date is March 29, 1999. And I've been working in the field of mental health and substance abuse for the past 20 years.
3: Nice. All right. Let me give a, a, a little round of applause for all our nurses and everything coming up. Thank you
0: so much, Solomon. I appreciate it. And shout out to Solomon here at the podcast place in Long Beach, California, giving us the foundation place to uh, put this out there for this Unbelievable content that we hope that people can just internalize, metabolize, and digest and help change their lives and other people's lives. So we have a special guest here, the Anthony. Uh, he is responsible for the Super Sober Podcast. Uh, when I was looking to get some advice on how to get the detox a script series that I wrote, uh, which is the story of addiction, the most deadliest disease a man's ever faced, One of my friends gave me Anthony's number, and he was so gracious to take my call, didn't know who I was, and just started giving me information. And I know that he has written a book and uh, pretty well-known in the recovery world. And uh, I was getting to know him, and I've seen him on different platforms. He has his own podcast himself on, um, on spirituality and knows a bunch of people. And he told me that I need to make a platform. So here we are. He said, maybe you need to get on some podcasts and then get the word out there about what you wrote. And so I started my own podcast. I don't have to worry about getting on any of them. So I uh, took his advice, um, like I do, from people that I respect and know that have a good central message and that I need to take advice from these days. So uh, God was talking through him to me. And now here I am with a platform working on podcast number 11 so what is it uh first season is 12 podcasts right solomon you were telling me uh, i was
3: thinking 10 so you can call this season. what i'm
0: in the second season
3: you can call yeah, it that if you want i mean but or you can call it you know you can do 12 if you want to do 12 uh, in we'll, we'll figure this out later so <laughs> so we have this unbelievable special guest
0: here and he's got a, a great story uh, he's now going to be an uh, fnp rn three rn shout out to rich here in the uh, In one week, he's going to be an RN. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how this happened. These things don't just happen. If this is odd or if this is God, this is three male nurses on the same set, all in recovery. And so Anthony's here to share his story about what he's doing. So I get this text after podcast 10 because we're done with the steps right there. And he was going to be the first guest anyways. And he said he's going to be leaving. When is he going to be on the Super Sober podcast? And lo and behold, he, he got me before I got him. So here he is today, guys. A special, unbelievable story of transformation. Another one in the program. And that's Anthony B. So share us a little bit about your story, where you're at. And we got his website up. And he's going to be talking about the treatment program that he's starting in Ohio. He's leaving in December um, 20th. And that's like in another next week. Next week. next week so we need to hurry up he needs to get home and pack <laughs> so here he is taking some time out we really appreciate you coming on okay. so we're gonna hear some of his story so let's 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 get going
2: well well thank you brett for all the accolades i mean i try to stay humble but if you got some more i'm already happy to <laughs> yeah, receive them. you know and um thank you Rach, for all the stuff you did and Absolutely. you know behind the scenes the voice of an angel happened to be solomon thank you i appreciate um all the work you put in and allow me to be here thank you um I'm Anthony B. And, you know, it's it's really fascinating because most of the time when I introduce my name, I have to hesitate because depending on where I'm at, what comes after that can make or break my entire presentation. Yeah. You know, um, I do lectures and workshops all over the place. And sometimes I might want to say, hey, I'm Anthony, an alcoholic. And I'm like, shh, shh, shh. Wait a <laughs> yeah, you're not the alcoholic. You're wrong place. You know,
0: Do so we got but, the crickets button. right?
2: There? <laughs> you know? But uh, my story is, um,
0: you're fine saying that here, though.
2: Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll say it anywhere actually. But um my story basically, I, I was I was pretty much born or conditioned um to be or form to be an alcoholic or an addict because when I was younger, you know, there was always booze in the house. And, you know, I'm I'm one of those people who came from a single parent um childhood, you know, and I know by studying biology a single person cannot. You know, unless you go into biblical times, then yeah, okay. Yeah, finish, right.
0: yeah. We got the immaculate conception, Anthony. Right. Oh, no.
2: But I, I'm nothing <laughs> immaculate. I just, happen to have, I just happen to have a dad that didn't show up. That's yeah, what happened. Yeah. But um, my mom raised me, and I remember when I was younger, she used to always have friends come over, and, you know, they would drink um, beer. And after everybody got drunk, it was the responsibility, of me and my sister, to clean up the mess. And so as we cleaned up the empty beer cans every now and again, I would take a sip out the beer can. And um, that's how I started Learning how to get drunk, and um, once in a while in those beer cans, people. And would, how
0: old were you at this time?
2: Um, I was about six years old, you know. And mom. Um, once, <laughs> once in a while, um, they would put their cigarette butts out in the beer can, so I would swallow a cigarette butt too, <laughs> you know. And that's probably what caused my nicotine addiction. Mm-hmm. But that's you know, and then I'd get drunk, and I'd, I'd spin around in little circles, and my mom would congratulate me. Oh, that's my man. That's my little man, you know. And, I didn't know later on. That's called positive reinforcement, you know. Right. And that just allowed me to continue that behavior to get recognition for being something. Right. And as time went on, this this happened. And one day when I was about nine years old, me and my two sisters, we woke up in the middle of the night and found my mom laying on the floor. She had got shot in the head, and uh, she survived. But um, and it was an uns- even to this date. I think it's an unsolved mystery. And that helped formulate my belief about law enforcement. Because, like, do do they work? I mean, what's going on here? Nothing happened. Right. And so she survived. We moved to a different um, city because I'm from back east. You know, we moved to a different city. And, you know, um, obviously, or something, something happened with her personality. She got mean. Like, right, which happens mean. with
0: a lot of TBIs. Yeah. She Traumatic pain injuries. injuries.
2: <laughs> yeah, she got super mean. And um, that meanness transferred Oh, until was kids. So um I'll just call it a beating, you know. Right. So I got beatings, you know, when I was younger. And, you know, back in the days, I'm a I'm a product of the sixties. Mm-hmm. You know, um even when you go to school where I'm from, if you act out, you get a swat for acting out. And so I would get in trouble at school, get a swat, go home and get a beating for misbehaving at school. Right. But underneath the kitchen sink was a bottle of gin. And so I can drink the gin and it didn't matter, you know, and that's, that's the way my life was and, numb you know, it out, numb it out, numb it out. And then I discovered um, marijuana, you know, which was fascinating because first time I ever smoked anything, me and my sisters discovered that if you roll up a Lipton tea bag and light it, it smells like weed. Uh-huh. So the first time I got high was with Lipton tea,
0: uh-huh. you know,
2: and um from there then i discovered all the other good stuff and how
0: old were you then oh my
2: goodness probably like 11
0: that's funny because jared and rich were talking about how they used to roll up maple leaves <laughs> and other things like that before and, they uh, started it's real
1: up. yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So i'm not unique of, well no definitely no it's like romanticizing ro- romanticizing before you ever had access before we ever had access to like weed we, had, mm-hmm. we were we like romanticized the thought of it so we would just pull the leaves off the tree outside you know very young doing that.
2: Mm-hmm. So it was only a manner. matter
1: of time before you come across the real thing, right? Oh, yeah.
2: And once you find the real thing, mm-hmm. there's no turning back. Yeah. You know, and that just set forth, you know, me um, smoking weed and eating all kinds of, medic, you know, not medication, drugs. Right. You know, um, quaaludes and phena The 60s, and, yes. You know. Yellow jackets.
0: Yeah, top <laughs> Christmas trees, you name it.
2: You know, and things always go better with Boone's Farm, uh-huh. you know. And um, that's what I used to do, you know, in my early teens. I would um, eat Quaaludes, drink wine, uh, go roller skating, you know. Uh, had a big old afro with the pick in it. Oh, the yeah. In the McDonald's. Donna hey, summer. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I ran into walls and get kicked out of skating rinks. But that's just mm. what I knew, you know. And then probably at the age of 13, I went to a, a person's house, and they, they taught me how to inject drugs. And so at 13, 13, at 13 I'm injecting drugs at quick 13. quick progression. Yeah. And then… Um, At the age of 14, um, my mom took us to work with her. We stole some money from there. It happened Mm -hmm. to be a bank. The feds got involved, you know, fired her, and that's where I got, like, the ultimate beating, you know. (laughs)
0: Yeah, she had a good job, huh?
2: Yeah, and I got a good beating, too. You
0: brought the (laughs) feds in on it.
2: Yeah, and um, then I ran away from home at 14, you know. um, I was never successful in school because I figured, you know, I get beatings in school, plus I wanted to drink and use, so I quit school in the eighth grade. And so I ran away from home, 14 years old, with an eighth grade education, joined a carnival. You,
0: know? you became a carny.
2: I was a carny. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Nice. It was great, you know, because you could do whatever you want to right. out there. And so I'm a carny. I'm usually back east, those jobs last throughout the summertime, wintertime, you know, mm. you figure it out. And so I did. And after I ran away from home, I came back from the carny, and I had my little bonus and everything, and, mm-hmm. you know, a big old stuffed animal. I went home, I like, look, mom, I'm here. You know, she's like, dude. You're too much. I'm going to, you know, so she put me in the Navy, you know. What? Yeah. Oh. At the age of 15, she put me in the Navy.
0: The Navy takes 15-year-olds?
2: They, she lied and
1: told him I was 16.
3: Oh, wow. The Navy yeah. takes 16-year-olds? They take you at
1: 16. Back then, yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I was going to say it's like a kind of probably like a sort of like an ROTC type program. but like Yeah. For, yeah, for the yeah. Navy.
2: And I remember going to um, Great Lakes, Illinois. Wow. At the age of 15, it was cold, oh. you know. And here's like I can't handle this, you know, and I act out. And the military has a place for you if you want to act out.
0: Oh, yeah, the brig. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, oh,
2: actually, it was called uh, PMU, Positive Motivation Unit.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. that's nice. Sounding yeah,
2: we we, we, we march out in the snow <laughs> with thin gloves, and you know. And I was I was really fortunate because um they booted me out of the service. I like got an honorable discharge because they oh. found out I was fifteen.
3: Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, nice.
2: And so here it is. I thought I could go home, and my mom said no. The Navy says no. You know, I'm rejected all over the place. But one thing worked is out in the street, so I went back to the carny, you know, and I was free to do whatever I want to with no rules. And then um, that was it. And at 18, my friend said, hey, man, I'm like, let's go to California. Well, I had nothing going on, you know, because then in winter times, by then I was, I was sneaking into abandoned houses to live. Right, you know, cold. yeah, Ohio, right? It yeah, it, Ohio. It, was, it was cold, you know, and we had um, crates made out of wood, mm-hmm. and so I would get a bunch of crates, make a bunch of furniture, get high, burn my furniture in the chimney, <laughs> you know, and and smoke would come out the chimney, and the police would come and remove me from my place of dwelling, right. you know. Actually, I was trespassing, yeah. <laughs> so, right. so they they you know, and so this is this was this was my life, you know. And um I would lie, cheat, still, do whatever, you exactly. know, and inject drugs and drink and what was your main drug you were injecting? Um back then it was preludens. Preludens? Yeah, it's a diet pill.
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: okay.
2: Yeah. Stimulant, huh? Yeah, yeah. I've been a I've been a stimulant. User. Well then you
1: drank too heavily, right? Yeah, I drink. You know, the stimulants and the drink goes hand in hand, right? Oh yeah, it helps you drink yeah. a little longer.
2: Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, that's me too. And a lot more too, you know. And um, and so that was going on. And then one day my friend said, hey, let's go to California, you know. And the town I'm in, it's only a mile by, by mile back east. And the only thing I knew about California was what I seen on TV from the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> and so when my friend said, let's go to California, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to be living in a mansion, got a swimming oh. pool, uh-huh. everything. Girls and, running around. Street yeah. with gold. Yeah, yeah. All, all that, you know. And I'm like, okay, I want this, you know. And so— I packed up everything I owned, which was filled a half a duffel bag. <laughs> and um, jumped in a car, 67 Mustang, with a dog that threw up in the back seat over everything I owned. And we drove out here. And, and <laughs> what a long, strange trip it was,
0: man. Oh my gosh.
2: Anthony, now, can I that? ask a
3: quick question? Right. Yeah, sure. Um, when you used, you were talking about early uh, when you were younger and you had access to these, how did you get access to the things that you were doing at that young age. You said gin under the sink. Was that yours? Was it things that were left over from your mom? Were people bringing you drugs? What, what was Where were you getting stuff before the age of 14?
2: Um, my mom. It's not like she supplied it, but the gin was hers. Okay. And it's really fascinating because I would steal the gin out the bottle and replace it with water. Uh-huh. Now, I got drunk. I don't know how my mom got drunk. Okay, but that's that was, that's what I was placebo.
0: Yeah, you
2: know, <laughs> but that's what I was doing. Boy, if you would have known about that, I probably would have got beaten for that one too. Oh yeah, for sure. But um, that then, um, you know, once I started smoking real weed, um, I was able to sell real weed. You know, get a quarter, mm-hmm. get an ounce, or you know, a quarter pound or something, and sell mm-hmm. it. And um, and it's really funny because I used to hide it in the house, and my my little sister found my stash. And this has been a running joke with, between me and her forever. And she, she took it and I was, I have, um I have one brother and two sisters, but my brother never lived with us. I mean, he left really early. And so I have an older sister and a younger sister and I'm in the middle and I'm in a house with three girls. And so my older sister could beat me up and my younger sister would rat me out. <laughs> and so. I no wonder you left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so here's the combination of things. It's like, if I, if I beat up my little sister, my older sister beats me up, that's yeah. one. Then my little sister would tell my mom that I'm starting to fight, then that's another beating. And then I'd go to school and get a paddle.
1: Yes. Oh, wow. Back in the By day, a woman.
2: Paddle. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but,
1: but whoever gave it
2: to me, it hurt. You know? And so I'm like stuck. And this is what I'm living with. Yeah. Day after day, week after week, month after month. And I remember I was hiding my weed one day, and my little sister found it. And I'm like, you took my weed. And it's like, Mom, you know, oh. and then I had to tell my mom, well, uh, uh, she was in my room. You know, my little sister, of course, no, Tony said I took his weed and blah, blah, blah. And it was, and even to this day, I talked to my sister the other day and I go, you know, where's my weed? And She finally owned up to it. <laughs> finally. You know. After all of these. After, after all of these, after 50 something years, yeah. let me tell you, little sister, thank you. <laughs> but you owe me interest. Yeah. Yeah, but um right. but um yeah, so she passed up to it. And so here it is, you know, getting back to it. I'm all strung out, I'm injecting prelude and I'm smoking anything I can put my hands on, I'm eating any pills, you know, I'm drinking like a fish. And my friend says, let's go to California. And so I came out here, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, Beverly Hills. Yes. And we we cruise by and we enter California. I seen the palm tree because I've never seen a palm tree before. Right. I'm like, oh, this is nice. You know, and we kept cruising and you know, we seen Beverly Hills and we seen Rodale drive. And I'm like, this is nice. We kept on driving. (laughs) Should we stopped there? Huh? (laughs) But but he didn't and we kept on going. Next thing you know, I ended up in Linwood.
0: What?
2: And and I'm like, hold up, I didn't see this on TV. (laughs) You know. Welcome to the hood. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and it's it's really funny because um my when you're an addict. You can acclimate to any place. Exactly. You know? And when I hit Linwood and discovered it's not where I'm gonna be, because the plan was I was gonna stay with my friend's brother, but you know, I'm a liar to you, so I'm stealing from him. And he gave me the boot, and I see now I'm sleeping in the park. But it happened to be a park where people were selling sherm, and I'm sitting there smoking PCP, and
0: nice, you we're know, graduating now. Yeah, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm
2: living large, and I already knew how to inject drugs. So the cocaine back there that was ether based, mm-hmm. you know, I'm injecting that, I'm smoking sherm, I'm drinking like a fish, and I'm being homeless, you know. And all in all, I was I was homeless for twenty three years. Oh my god, twenty three
0: years, twenty three years. Yeah, in in L A. area.
2: Well, Orange, um, I went from. Linwood to Orange County. Oh, yeah, it's a little.
0: It's yeah, just be homeless in Orange
2: yeah, County. Yeah, it's, it's better to be homeless in Orange County. I mean, let me tell you. It's, yeah. it's completely different. <laughs> <did Yeah>. definitely.
0: <laughs> That's unbelievable. What a story and 23 years.
1: Wow. So what happened? So, you know, okay. what, 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 what
2: changed? What changed for me being homeless and being strung mm-hmm. out? Yeah. Um, when I was in, all my life, I wanted to be a drug dealer. Okay, and I thought the only knowledge I needed was twenty-eight grams made an ounce. That's all I needed, yep. and so I made sixteen
0: ounces it. to a pound.
2: I, I didn't get that far. Yeah. <laughs> not when it came to cocaine, yeah. but um, but I'm 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 in um I'm in Orange County. I made my way down here, and I was working at um at a jack in a box in Costa Mesa, <laughs> and so um at one point in time I used to sell drugs out of the jack in a box until I got busted. They fired makes me. Sense. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can get free food and, you yeah. know. Mm. But, um, but after they fired me, because back then we had uh, beepers and pagers, and there was a pay phone on that corner, so I would hang out on that corner and sell mm. drugs. And I didn't realize that police officers are assigned a certain beat. Right. And so this police officer would see me <laughs> every day on his beat. Now, back in the day in
0: Orange County. Yeah, not too many black guys. There's four. Okay, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I was one of them. Yeah. And count so, them on one hand.
2: Yeah. Huh? You still
0: had your APRO and everything, too? Yeah. Oh, bam.
2: And, and so I'm, I'm out there, and this, here's, 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 the, <laughs> here, here's my best thinking. I'm oh. one of four black people in Orange County. <laughs> the only one that's out there in the wintertime without a coat. and my disguise was a dare (laughs) t-shirt okay and so i'm standing on a corner of harvard and wilson and i got busted the first time they sent me to orange county jail and i got out of orange county jail and i went back to harvard and wilson well the next time they busted me they sent me to prison Uh, i think it was donovan and i'm sitting in prison going there's a problem you know and i think all right maybe i'm not hiding it correctly and so i get out and I put the drugs in that little coin. See, I'm a, I'm a big drug dealer, and yeah, all my Harvard drugs, I'm putting that little coin yeah. thing on your paint.
0: <laughs> Doing big things.
1: Right. And so I go back to Harbor and Wilson, I get busted, and they send me right
0: back to the scene of the crime.
1: Right back. That's how good we are. Yeah. Was wild as I live on Harbor and Wilson, and I was at that Jack in the Box this morning. <laughs> wow. I'm dead, I'm I'm dead, dead serious, yeah, man. No. Yeah, yeah. I'm dead serious. I'm
2: going to paint a picture for That's you there. <laughs> back in the day, you would have seen me.
0: Yeah. Same Jack in the box Who's really doing the dealing, huh? Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and so I get out and I get busted again. So, how
0: long was your term over at Donovan?
2: I, I did uh, 16, and 3. I know prison sentences now 16 <laughs> months, two years, or three. And, and I didn't know anything, you know? And I got out and they released me again the second time. Um, and I would go back to Harbor and Wilson, you know. But this time I thought, well, I'll just hide the drugs in my sock. Yeah, you know that's my best thinking. No, guy. no, and I got busted again, you know. <laughs> and uh, this time they sent me to Chino, and for Chino they sent me oh. to Chukawalla. Nice, you know. And so I mean, I, I know all about those gated communities, man. You know. Oh my gosh. And uh, I can sit here and laugh at it because it took for that to happen for me to be who I am today. You know, it's not like I'm glorifying it or anything, but that had to happen for me to become the person I am. And so um, after, after I got out of Chukawala, I thought, okay, well, the problem is I need to throw this stuff when the police come. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah. And so I have it in my hand. And we're go, evolving here.
0: Yes. Oh, <laughs> definitely.
2: Definitely. The neurons are starting to fire. a <laughs> Yeah. Like,
0: <yes. laughs> so every time we went to jail, they were like, hey, dude, I, I, we would analyze the situation and go, this is where you're going wrong again. Right. The next time you get out there to Wilson which,
2: yeah. yeah yeah and so I'm going to keep it in my hand
0: <laughs> yeah that's right
2: but I got too high and forgot it was in my hand <laughs> and, and I left got left it there yeah and so they, they're like hey um, what you doing I'm like nothing what's in your hand Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? and so this time they sent me back to prison and, um, and I'm sitting in prison I'm going you know what something's wrong you know something has to change and I'm like okay I got it now and so I got out and guess where I went Back to Wilson. No, one block back. south. Harbor oh, in Victoria, However, yeah, yeah, yeah. Victoria. Different yeah. beat. Different beat. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. same beat. <laughs> just, oh, damn. Yeah, just a <laughs> <laughs> different year. And so this time, um, a police, um, the police officer, I'll never forget his name, because I, I had to, um, in my sobriety, I had to make amends. You know? And um, at that point in time, he asked me, he's like, aren't you tired of this? You know? Mm. And at that point in time, I was just ticked and tired of being tired and sick. You know? And I just said, you know what? Yes. You know, now all of this time I've been homeless. You know, all of this time I've been strung out. All of this time I had an eighth grade education, no employment. I mean, it's hard to find a job when you're homeless. It really is when you're wearing the same clothes, you know, um, carrying the same scent. You know,
1: I I was I was fresh. No phone, maybe no ID.
2: (laughs) No, right, none of that stuff. No resume. You know, yeah, there ain't no resume going on. You got
0: a prison number though.
2: Oh yeah, eight (laughs) seven (laughs) two (laughs) six nine nine. And I know the address, Orange County Jail. I know that by heart. And so, um, he saw Finn. He had, and I didn't know, but he had a friend that had a treatment center. And so this, so
0: your Eskimo was a police
2: officer. Yeah, and I'll never forget. And and I always make sure I give credit where credit's due. Amen. You know, and his friend accepted me into this treatment center, and I was sick. And when they said, "Okay, you're going to treatment," I'm thinking, "It's a good cover up to sell some drugs." Yeah. You know. Now I can meet some new people. Yeah. You know. Or who's gonna think? Yeah. You know. And so I went to this treatment center and discovered that I like it. You know, mm. I mean, for once in my life, people were saying hi and welcome. Because when you're out there in the streets, you don't get very many highs and welcome. Yeah. You know. And I am that person that hung out in back alleys. You know, I, I drink wine out of a brown paper sack. Right. You know, and I don't bathe. And I'm like a, a little creature in a back alley and people don't come back there. And here I am in this place where everybody's like, hi, and they want to hug you. You know, what I mean, that, that hugging thing that you guys do in the program, mm-hmm. that's some weird stuff, man. Yeah. You it know? takes some getting used to Touchy
0: feely stuff. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And but it's contagious. It is contagious. <laughs> you know? I didn't know. A little bit of love. Oh man.
2: Yeah. And when I first went to treatment, now I'm fresh out of prison. Mm-hmm. You know, and these men are coming up and going, let me hug you. I'm like, hold up, man, wait a minute. What kind of what, po- what, what is it? <laughs> you know. But after a while I discovered that, you know, and they would tell me, We're gonna love you till you love yourself. Mm. And and I didn't oh. understand that, you know. And not only did they say it, but their actions mm-hmm. mirrored it. And they would give me food, and they would say, don't worry, you'll never have to go hungry again, and we care about you. And, you know, I started getting the hang of it. And so after about six months, because they sentenced me to a year there, and after mm-hmm. six months, you know, I started going, I like this stuff. And that's why I got introduced to the 12 steps. Amen. You know, and I remember my first 12-step meeting was um, <laughs> at a low-bottom indigent men's
0: detox. You know, and I went, over in Orange County. You're still in Orange County.
2: Yeah, okay. yeah. It happened to be on a street called Charlie. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. You, you know. mentioned them. Yeah,
2: course. yeah. And and I love it. And I walked in, and I seen. I want to be part of the environment, and I seen what everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. And they were like raising their hand and saying, "Hey, man, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, and this is what's going on." I'm like I want to play, you know. I was like, "All right, Anthony, I'm an alcoholic, and this treatment centers abusing me." And they're like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, there. It's not fair. And they told me they clapped, and they, you know, and they and they told me to um, just, just chill out. You know, they didn't say it that nice actually. You know, mm-hmm. my 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 first sponsor told me some shit, old school AA back. And then. my first sponsor told me, sit down, shut the f yeah, up. Yeah, that's right. You know, you don't know nothing, and he hurt my feelings. <laughs> you know, then him to be my sponsor.
0: A little bit less than your feelings were hurt from other people, though. No, not nope. from him. No, oh, he no, gave it head. to me raw and oh like,
2: Okay, sweet. Oh man, I mean, just saying, shut the f up. That's that's minor yeah. compared oh. to the business he gave me that day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he did hurt my feelings, and I asked him to be my sponsor.
0: So this was ninety nine.
2: This was actually back in ninety six. Because I had one more run yeah, left. One more. Here it comes. One, one
0: more. more. Hear that run.
2: Yeah, and um, i i i did um I did my year in treatment, and you know, I, I think I read the big book wrong mm-hmm. because I thought it says one day you could drink like a gentleman and our hats are off. <laughs> and so I went out to drink like a gentleman, and I tried controlled drinking, and then end up doing controlled substances. And next thing you know, I'm back in a controlled environment. Right, you know, and they say a head full of AA and a belly full of booze don't mix. Right, a head full of AA and a body saturated with methamphetamine would drive you crazy. Yep, because I wanted sobriety back so bad. You know, once you get a taste of recovery, Mm -hmm. and you go out again, you wish were planted. Yeah, you wish you could get it back. And I remember out there, just out, just out of my head. You know, and the only thing I keep. I only thing that kept echoing is keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. And that's what I heard on the influence of methamphetamine. Yeah. Keep coming back. And then I'd get a pause and it works if you work it, you know? <laughs> and um, and so I couldn't, I was at the jumping off point and on March 28th. Actually, on March 27th, I, I finally said, you know what? I remember the ABCs of um Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. I'm an alcoholic, cannot manage my own life, no human power can relieve my alcoholism. And God could God and would, would, if it would if you were smart. And I and I remember saying, you know what, God, I can't deal with this anymore. You know, And on March 28th, I got arrested the last time of my whole life. And I've been sober since March 29th, 1999.
3: Gosh. Two questions for you, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, first first question, how long overall were you incarcerated, like in all in all the times you went?
2: I spent most of the 90s in prison, in and out of jail. Okay. I'd get out in 92. I'd go back in 93. I'd get out in 93. I'd go back in 94.
0: Wow. 94 parole violation.
3: Parole yeah. violation. Exactly. Parole violation. Yeah. Parole least, violation.
2: I was getting new cases.
0: <laughs> new case parole violation.
2: Half yeah. measures avail <laughs> me nothing. You know.
3: Yeah. And this. And the second question, when you when you um w- um sort of broke the sobriety, I don't know what you'd call it, fall off the wagon. What was that feeling like when you sort of sort of you know sort of came back to your senses and said, "Damn, you know, I just sort of lost that time." Was it something where you sort of sat there and dwelled on it for a while, or did you sort of jump back up and say, "Time to start over"?
2: Um, I I I relapsed. I drank a beer and I shot methamphetamine, and once I shot that meth, I went, "Holy crap! What did I do?" You know, and then all of a sudden, it's all about, "I gotta have more. Please give me more." I I mean, that's that's where my mind went, and Mm -hmm. I had that moment of clarity. It's like, dude, you know. This ain't working. Because once I was sober, once I was sober, I established a new group of people. Then once I relapsed, it was hard for me to go to this new group of people and try to act sober. Right. It's really hard to act sober under the influence of methamphetamine. I mean, you're sweating and you can't sit still. You're licking your lips like you're, I mean, it's crazy. And they know. And they know, you know, and and I'm like, okay. Yeah, so talk about feeling alone, right? Yeah, you know. I, I I couldn't live with it, and I can't live without it. And so finally, I, I asked God to help, and, and God did what—I I am that person. I have to be physically removed from society to stop my drinking and using. Mm-hmm. You know, the book says, frothy emotional pills seldom suffice. And you couldn't beg me to stop, but God allowed me to get arrested so that I could stop. You yeah. know, as many times as I've been in jail, I, I, I used to party in jail. You know, I I did methamphetamine in prison and got paranoid because the police was there. Yep. <laughs> that, that's that's my best thinking,
0: you know. <laughs> make it pruno, do
2: Yeah, that. yeah, you know, and nobody wants to be my Sally. It's like, what, <laughs> like why are you looking out the bar, man? You're going to make the spot hot. And it's like, oh, like wow. the police is there. And I'm, I'm insane. But um, finally, you know, that happened. And after that, i just been sober and, you know,
0: doing good. Doing right, really well. so... We're about halfway through the podcast right here. See, I mean, it's hard to get so much of a, such a story. of And how long do you have sober now? I have 24 years. 23 years of homelessness. 24 years of sobriety. To encapsulate everything within 45 minutes of a podcast is a pretty difficult task. <laughs> but I, so so you get sober. I got sober. It's, the, the seeds were planted down there in a street called Charlie. <laughs> which we all know it's yeah. pretty famous down here in orange county so it's a low bottom indigent um, rehab place where you can go mm-hmm. non-medical detox so you ended up getting sober and staying sober yes so what happened how did you get from there to becoming a nurse and a new career and what's going on there i mean you we went over the homelessness so should we show the video right now? A little bit of preluding into this one? Why don't we go to the video and we can show that and then we can get into the solution and where we are now. Sounds sound about right? right.
3: Don't quit before your miracle happens.
2: Addiction. Alcoholism. Separation Racism Gang violence Abuse These were just some of the things that faced me as a 10-year-old boy Beating so bad that they left welts on my body for days Witnessing my mother's violent boyfriend Coming home to find my mom in a puddle of blood Shot in the head Things were different after that I was different. I had a hole that developed in my soul, a soul sickness that I couldn't escape. Physically, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually, bankrupt. I started running, and I didn't stop. By now, I was addicted to every kind of drug I could find to fill that hole in my heart. Homeless at 14 years old, I walked the streets of Ohio and beyond for over 23 years. This is my story living on a park bench, but it could be any homeless person's story. like a never-ending tornado taking everything in its path until one day God intervened through one person. One person believed in me for the first time one person made a difference in my life and offered me a way out. I have lived through trauma and discovered resiliency. I have lived through addiction and found recovery. I have been incarcerated and discovered rehabilitation. I have been homeless and found residency. All of these are facts, but the bottom line is that we all have a story. For me, I'm no longer living on a park bench. I'm living my best life now in my own version of Park Avenue.
1: Pick up your copy of Anthony Brown's biography From Park Bench to Park Avenue. Proceeds will go towards helping the homeless find hope and freedom in a home called Brown Manor.
0: Wow. Awesome stuff. So now that we got a little foreshadowing of what's coming on, how did this come about? So you get sober, you cry out to God, you get this energy coming in, you've had the seeds planted. I mean, how did you get into nursing? I mean, what what was the next mentorship coming in?
2: Well, it was it was fascinating because um after our sober two years, mm-hmm. I I went to the park I used to sleep at. And and I sat there, and, and I had a conversation with God. I just went directly to the source. And I remember saying, God, you know, I know this bench is solid, and I know cars run on gas. I know this for a fact. Prove to me you exist, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I learned, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. And I And I had my first real spiritual awakening. It was just so profound that there was no denying it. And then I got this overwhelming ease and comfort within me that I still carry to this day. And I was given three directions to always follow. One, don't hate anybody. Two, don't intentionally harm anybody. And three, finish everything you start. That's what I was told. And I started going to school and I completed school because um, I started out with the eighth grade education. Mm-hmm. And I got my GED in the county jail. And I started going to college and I started completing courses and from that, I got licensed as a psych tech. I continued to go to school, and I got my nursing license as an what RN. Driven,
0: what drove you to being a psych tech, though? Who was the guiding influencer? Into that?
2: Um, at one point in time, somewhere in my career, I worked at a, as a janitor at a mental health oh, Okay, at a state facility, and I didn't like the way that they was treating the clients. Mm. And they said, well, if you think you could do better, go to school. Well, it's hard to go to school when you're under the influence of methamphetamine. Mm. Yeah. You know, because... I've, I've discovered you'll highlight everything in the book. <laughs> you <won't read> <laughs> and so I was a failure there, mm-hmm. you know. But then after I had my conversation with God, I had to go back and finish that. Okay. You know, and so I completed that, and I just, you know, became, I went to school to become an RN, and even with a criminal background, becoming an RN is a is a challenge. Right. You know, because I have, you know, um, a um, criminal history, I you know, um, a DOD, A a DOJ rap sheet and all that. Exactly. And so I had to jump through some hoops. Mm -hmm. And I love it because AA, there's a saying in AA, if you want what we have to offer and you're willing to go to any length to get it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted what they had to offer. And I was willing to go to any length to get it. And so I'd pray and I went to school and doors open. And next thing you know, I get licensed as a RN. And I went to school to get my bachelor's, you know. And I, I love having an addictive mentality because that makes me want more. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so in in the middle of all my breaks you know i went to school to become a certified anger management facilitator i went to school to become um a substance abuse treatment specialist i went to school to become um my god i have so many initials behind my name <laughs> i have more initials behind my name than i do in my name you know
0: <laughs> so you got into the educational I, hustle
2: i got into it I, and and then after that and uh, they were
0: paying for it too yeah you qualified for all the Okay. fast and board of governor all, all of that stuff listen to this guys listen to this part of the story here you got yeah. three people going through this yeah and i qualify
2: for it mm-hmm. you know and i just continue Absolutely. to do it and i start working and then next thing you know i'm going to school to get my bachelor's you know and so i'm getting my bachelor's and and now
0: you got a career
2: and now i have a career a foundation. i have, a, I have yeah. a career and then um i go to a bunch of 12-step meetings right and people have heard my story and they're like well dude you should write a book. Yeah. You know, and I'm an alcoholic. Don't tell me I should do something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Here so, it comes. Here comes. I'm, I'm
2: going to do it, you know. And remember, I have to finish everything I start. Right. And so I wrote the book, and I'm thinking
0: Ooh.
2: I'm only going to go to different meetings. Maybe I'll get 100 copies and go to different meetings, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I've learned a long time ago, just do the footwork and leave the results up to God. That's right. And so I did the footwork, and I put my book out there. Next thing you know, it's like I'm being featured on, you know, Fox Eleven, and you know, it's just crazy, you know. And um, it just blew up, and I didn't. As it should. It's a great story. Yeah, and I didn't even anticipate it, you know. And then people are asking me, you know, such as yourself, say, "Hey, come do a podcast." I'm like, "Okay, great," Mm -hmm. because I want people to know that. And this is an AA thing. No matter how far down the scale you have gone, you can see how your experience can benefit others. Right. You know, and here I get to, you know, talk about how well the program works when you couple that with God and a lot of work. You know? And so at that point, um, the book is selling, I'm advancing in, you know my education, and I get a call from my brother, and he's like, "Man, I'm doing bad. I'm living in this abandoned house." Okay, like, I understand abandoned houses; been here, done that. Yeah. And so I'm like, "Are you okay. burning
0: the furniture?"
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he was as sophisticated as me, but yeah. you know. And so um, I said, "Okay, I'll help you out." And so I, I reached out and I bought a nine thousand square foot abandoned 1916 mansion, and that's where I called Brown Manor. And
0: um, and God gave you this God gave insight to do this. To do that. With the funds of the book and exactly. other mentors. Exactly. And, and
2: everything. exactly. and
0: since I've been homeless,
2: it's like, why not help the homeless? Because they say you have to give it away to keep it. I love that aspect. And so now, you know, I, I have this big house. You know, it's like, hey, what am I going to do with it? And through my education, I dev- I decide I'm going to... I see homeless people everywhere, and it right. touches me. And so with my education... I created a new model of treatment specifically designed for homeless people. And I get to go out there and implement this, you yes. know, and, and I'm super excited. Who
0: better than the homeless to implement uh, some change for the homeless.
1: So are you going to have, are you going to be bringing people into this house? Is it going to be like a, like a, yes. a structure, like a program running out of it's, this house? It's,
2: it's more like a family thing. I don't want to, I don't want to use the word program mm-hmm. because people kind of um, cool. get uncomfortable Mm-hmm. but it's uh i've been to the program before. yeah yeah i've been in a program yeah. but um it's a it's a 12 bedroom house I'm, i won't allow no more than 18 people there and it's it's a family style it's peer oriented you know and we're just gonna sit back and just eat sleep and talk about how to so more laid
1: back and more of like it's a family i here come here if you need us and, yeah and, and we're gonna yeah it's like meant there's gonna be like some mentorship going on I yeah assume.
2: and i'm and I'm hoping you know you get a two year stay because it takes a little while there's homelessness is a complex issue
0: very complex
2: you know it it isn't like i'm gonna put you in the house and everything's gonna be fine i mean i I've studied this for a while
0: the two year aspect there's a there's a magic around two years mm-hmm. you can stay around that two year area
1: can you give us like a couple because you said you have this uh you ha- you're gonna implement this idea on how to Deal with homelessness. Mm-hmm. Can you give us like some some highlights? I'm sure it's very complex, but can you give us like some highlights on what that looks like? Um, well, if I give away my secrets, other people take it. But
2: hey, mm-hmm. why not? You know, um, the main thing about coming in your admission criteria one, you have to be homeless, and two, you have to come in with some sort of goal initially. Mm-hmm. We're not giving you a goal; you come up with your own goal. I don't care what it yeah. is, Beautiful. as long as it's something super awesome. personable, right? And once we obtain that goal and you hang out with us long enough, then we'll build on other things. And I'll gradually slide in some things. If you have some medical issues, because of my NP and my nurse training, we can help that. If you have some mental health issues, we can help you get, you know, uh, medically cleared. If you have some detox issues, you know, if you have some social skills, I mean, job skills, there's a lot of different things we're going to work on.
0: We're talking about the whole package. The whole package. In a two-year time frame. That sounds beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And it's really, I just thought of it. Because so much of it's such a conveyor belt. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Right, right. You need that accountability for change.
2: Yeah, and you're doing it in a home-like environment. Right. You know, we're like all brothers and sisters anyway. Exactly. You know, and so um that's basically what it is. I I even wrote um a workbook specifically designed for that environment. And this is the first prototype. And, you know, I am... Um, there's a lot of a lot of different things that's going to go on there and you'd be amazed the family diet what what family can do is mm-hmm. get to places where other people can because you're
1: you're invested right into it you know? absolutely especially if you're living uh if you're living around people who are living differently or mm-hmm. who are trying to live differently like the power of influence is so huge you know it's um It's difficult, like, even for people in sober living, like, you know, most people in sober living, unfortunately, they don't want to be there, right? Like, a lot of—especially in this area, you know, the people get sent to treatment by their parents or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So then you have, like, the one person that's in the sober living that's trying to actually stay clean. But because they're with these people, you know, 20 hours a day, right, that power of influence is so strong that even a person that wants to be in recovery isn't able to get to that—isn't able to get there. Mm-hmm. Because they're around these people majority of the time, right and it's like we 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 become who we're we're around you know it's right so it's like, exactly <laughs> So that's a key yeah, exactly that i believe i believe that's a that's a huge piece you mm-hmm. know especially if everybody in this house you guys are going to be living together it's going to be a family and uh that's where change can happen mm-hmm. right because there's a consistent there's that consistency within the house right you're, you're investing in yourself. Right and the people around you, but what about the boundary aspect
0: of that? What, do you what mean? about when they relapse or if they mm. make that healing environment become toxic? Yeah,
2: toxic. Well, then you have to. Well, so there's good more like probably a case right. by case right. basis. Right. I would assume it's a community based. thing. I mean, I've I've known from my experience sometimes you don't get it the first time around. Mm-hmm. Okay, course. but again, everything's going off for your goal. I understand that if you. If you get sober and you're and you're doing well, and you relapse, okay, go somewhere else and get detoxed. We don't, I don't need, or we won't, we don't want intoxication or people not being in their right frame of mind. Same thing was if you have a mental health breakdown, then I'm going to coordinate services with other entities out in the community,
0: so everything's facilitated, coordinated, right,
2: uh, in a proper. And the best thing is when you if if you do detox or if you do have a lapse on your mental health, one of us is still going to come and visit you, right. You know, you're part of the up. family. Yeah, you know, we're not going to
3: leave you. The alumni, you know,
2: the, exactly, exactly. What yeah. a what a powerful is.
3: Trend. Is the goal to get back into the house if that happens?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you still have a spot. How okay. long would you hold the bed? I mean, this is. I, I know this is a lot of questions. It's so vast.
2: It, it depends on depend depends yeah. on your motivation. Case to case,
0: right? Because again,
2: this, this, the simplest thing to do is have a goal. Walking in the door, okay. Right. And once we achieve that goal, okay, now that you got this, we're gonna we're gonna give you what we call positive reinforcement. At boy, good job, man. Yeah, exactly. You did this. Now let's look at this. And see in the meantime, you know, you're gonna you're gonna pick up a chore around the house. Everybody's going to. Right. You know, and you're gonna own it.
0: Acts of esteem.
2: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And this is your house. They yeah. this isn't my house. This is this is your mansion. And yeah. I'm gonna put a big if, you know, um I mean You walk through rooms and the sun hits it, and you see prisons. I mean, it's a 1916 mansion. Yeah, it's
0: it's like a beautiful.
2: Yeah, and and this is this is your house,
0: and you're going out there now to facilitate the. How much longer till it's going to be up and running?
2: I'm hoping that we um, open the doors this year. That's my that's my main purpose because I've had that house for three years, and it's really hard to set up a brand new program not Mm being there. Right, exactly. So
0: just know that he is leaving a place where he's got a solid job, foundation, friends and family, all these years of recovery because what he made a deal with his higher power mm-hmm. that he was going to follow the next indicated step and not stop what he started. Yeah, yeah. big time character defects for a lot of us. <laughs> right there on you know 6 and 7 right there in the program, not finishing what we start and here he is finishing his uh, FNP Mm-hmm. yeah and I, I we can totally relate i i knew i was going to go and get my bsn once i started as an lvn it was no intention to stop whatsoever i knew i was going to get my bsn and then i was going to reevaluate at that point and in our career field we're riches right now getting his rn and then still five months to go on his bsn and then Previously, before the podcast, in in our field, it's always more about well, what are you going to do next? Right? Are you going to get your
1: MSA? Well, I love the I love the goal aspect of of this, you know, because I feel like that's very important for recovery. It has been for me. Um, I know a lot of people um, who are in recovery. Who I mean, we all got our own goals, and I don't know what everybody's goals are, but uh, mine are pretty obvious. I think that people know what's going on in my life, and uh, you know, you talked about the goals for the the people in your that are going to be in your house and uh it's important mm-hmm. that's important because typically like yeah, at least for me mouthful. like uh, when i wait like when i got clean when i'd wake up in the morning if i didn't have something to look forward to mm-hmm. but i have something to shoot for that day short-term goal or long in long-term goals came long like later on right but like a short-term goal for that day it, it made it very re- re- really easy to go back to what i know you know and i did that many times and uh so now goals is like something I live for, I live for it. Like I wake up and I, and that's what gives me hope is like, is, is looking forward to the next thing that's coming down the line, you Mm -hmm. know, and it keeps me accountable and it keeps me, it's part of what keeps me clean because I got shit going on, right? Like I can't just go get high. I got things I I want to do. Right. And, and now, now those things, I, not only do I know that they're, I know they're possible, I know that anything is possible now. When early on in my recovery, I wasn't real too. I wasn't too sure, mm-hmm. and so that's a, a vulnerable time for relapse. But now that I know that things are attainable, and I can ha- and I can always have more, um, it keeps me looking forward to the next thing, which keeps me waking up hopeful and keeps me kind of focused. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think those those short term goals with the people in your house and just having those having goals like with, within yourself um, is key. You know, for recovery. Right,
2: you know, absolutely, and that's and I, I believe in that. I, I think um, some of the things I want to teach people because I, I think everybody wants something, you know. And not only do I share what's going on, but I want to be an example. I want people to understand that mm-hmm. even though at one point in time I used to eat cheeseburgers out of a dumpster, mm-hmm. now God willing, I'm going to be writing prescription for medications or you know, mm-hmm. right, doing differential diagnosis With all of
0: this information and application that you got from your history. You're not just going out there to just Medicaid a problem no no but in the right fashion we got medical professionals sitting right here right now and we all know a bunch of them that all came from the streets
1: i was talking to from somebody the th-
0: problems it's unbelievable
1: i was talking to somebody the other day and i was like dude i was like isn't it crazy turns out like dr- like prescription <laughs> drugs were actually created to treat diseases and <laughs> 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 it was like amazing yeah. like oh wow i found out like you actually; these are actually have a useful purpose other than getting high. You know, right. <laughs> amazing, right? And
2: it's wow. Another thing, because my next thing is a lot of people always ask me, "Well, what's next? What's next? What's next?" Mm-hmm. And my my thing is, you know, I in in my head, of course, I, I came out <laughs> with the secrets of life, and the secret of life is how do you find ease and comfort as you walk through and navigate this existence, mm-hmm. and in the end, you find peace. You know, and how do you live that part. How do you get to that part? And because I've I've done quite a bit of everything else, you know, and and me and God, God's my best friend. We talk every day. I get up in the morning, I hit my knees before I hit my feet. That's just what I do. And um and I laugh because God understands me. You know. (laughs) And and I ask him, it's like what what should I do? You know, am I done with school? He's like, no. And so now I just yesterday I enrolled in a master's program for theology. Wow. You know, and it's like, okay, you know, and I used to always say, you know what, God, I'm tired, you know, and God would laugh and go, well, I'm not, you know, <laughs> okay, you know, because I'm always, oh, you know, that 11th step, you know, right, only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out.
0: And we got that power yeah, daily.
2: Yeah, and so this is this is good stuff,
0: you know. It's I, good stuff. It's out there for everybody. It is. This isn't just our testimony. This is, there's so many testimonies out there. It's, I mean, man. How is the God not going to bless Brown Manor? It, you know, and I, then all the lessons that are coming out right now, the change in the trajectory for mental health and the people doing things here in Orange County with places like Be Well and, and, and what's happening here, it needs to change. It has to change. It can't be the same treatment modalities that has been going on that leaves us in the same sick area that we're at now. Mm. It's for the people, by the people. It's people like you, me rich, all the other people out there that now hold these lofty degrees that are in the conversation when I come in. And it's like, they don't see me as this old drug addicted street person. They're seeing me as who I am and who I really am. And somebody that's got somebody to bring something to the conversation that's real, that knows
1: where that comes dude, from. Dude, that, that personal experience coupled with the medical knowledge and the degree, you bridge those gaps and you put that together and its it turns into something powerful. It is. and It is. You'd, you'd be amazed at the places that you're invited
2: to because of your experience and your education. You know, if it wasn't for the education, I'd never be able to speak my experience. But if it wasn't for my experience, I wouldn't be at a point where I can gain this education. You know, I mean, that's why I said in the beginning, I had to go through what I had to go through just so I can appreciate the little things that build up to make a lot.
0: And that's the spiritual awakening for people is no matter what happened that you get to the point after you practice the 12 steps, this is a super sober podcast, that you'll get to a point to where no matter what happened in your past, you'll be thankful that it all happened to get you to that point of your life. Mm -hmm. And for us, that was a long time ago. I mean, uh, for a long time, I've been living in this state of grace and being able to keep myself accountable through not forgetting where I came from, not meeting up with Notorious J.I.D., and uh, going back to the jails, institutions, and death and all that stuff that we know so well and living happy and free.
1: He's yeah. out of
3: his cage today, by the way, huh? He is. Huh? Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, out, out, he's out, out of, of the cage. cell. So. <laughs> hey, I he's have uh, one more question before sure, we get close to wrapping up. Um, Anthony, I noticed... Um, just in sort of the tenor of how you're speaking about the 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 brown manor, um, listening to your story, where you sort of felt like you had to get to the point where you decided you wanted to come up off of off of everything that you were doing, and you made that decision. It wasn't where someone just sort of scraped you off and took you from the bottom. You got up to like level two and then they sort of helped you get the rest of the way. I'm sensing you're trying to to put that same, That same element in the manor house where you're not taking people just off at zero. You're taking people who've decided that they want to do something different with their lives. And you're saying, if you do something for yourself, then we're going to come in the rest of the way and help you. Is that the case with with Brown Manor? Um, it's, It's pretty much, I mean, I could,
2: I'm always out in the street talking to people. Yeah. And some people just aren't there. And it's unfair to them to try to help them hit a bottom. And so that's why I say when you walk in the door, you have to have a goal. Like, what do you want to do? And once you establish that goal, then that shows me that you're willing to do certain things. You might not be a hundred percent sold, but at least you're you're open and you're aware. You're you're past that pre contemplation. You're into the com- the contemplation. Mm. Right, phase of right, 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 right. And once you get there... ASAM stuff. Right, right, right. (laughs)
0: Another level there, guys. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and, you know, once you get there, then all the opportunities you see floating around you becomes possibilities. Mm -hmm. Opposed to saying, okay, well, here, get off the street. is what we're going to give you. It's like, well, I don't want that. It's like, okay. But once you walk in the door and you say, okay, well, I want something different. Okay, well, let's work on that. You know, what do you want? And that's what I like about what's different from us or this 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 um, this this um prototype. It's like, it's, it's. I mean, I hear a lot of places go, well, we're goal-oriented. You know, no, you're not. We'll get a goal and you're going to reach it. It's like, no, yeah. I want you to tell me. And right. then once you achieve that on your own, then you're going to be, me, I could do something. It's like, you think no. you do something? Try a it of this. Yes. You know, it's like, boy, that tastes good. Well, add a little bit of this. The next thing you know, you have this whole, This whole hot hodgepodge of soup of goodness. That's right. And you're like, you got the recipe. Yeah, this is indescribably delicious. Mm -hmm. And I and I look forward to seeing that.
0: Yes. So we will be following up with you. Oh, thank you. And we can always remote you in on future podcasts. Sure Um, can. uh, Brown Manor will be on the F three recovery site. We are winding down here on podcast number Mm eleven. I'd like to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Shout out to Rich here again. And uh, if we can become medical professionals, you can become a medical professional. There are no excuses out there. There's no excuses. Recovery and through the way is just unbelievable powerful. There's people in recovery in every phase, everywhere out there that are willing to help and to get you to your next indicated step. Some doors are closed. Yes, some doors are closed due to history, but not this one through the medical field. So I help mentor people. Rich going to help mentor people when he gets through it, and then so so is, so is Anthony. So we're going to shout out here. Um, we're on all platforms, on all listening platforms through Buzzsprout. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We get on TikTok one of these days. Um, Spotify, all listening platforms. You can see our video on YouTube. All you have to do is just go to Super Sober Podcast, punch it in. We're there. Um, We're on, this is the detox, the story I wrote, a story of addiction, the deadliest disease a man has ever known on F3 Recovery. Uh, You can see the one sheet. You can see um, the whole little story behind it. It's uh, basically a PowerPoint presentation. It's called, um, uh, it's a spec script script for Hollywood. So we all have something in recovery that we can watch. And it's on the platform at F3Recovery.org. You can reach us. You have any questions for Anthony, Rich, anybody, please email us. No spam emails from the people out there that have been getting on info at f3recovery.org and info at supersoberpodcast.org. And you can go to the recovery resources information page there. And you can see the remote tax doctor, a, gl- a growing platform of different recovery resources, and get some skin in the game. And uh, we will be back with more guests information, stories of transformation, and we're out there doing it and just keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to the Super Sober Podcast. Go to our website at f3recovery.org. That's f3recovery, all one word, org. We're turning fight, flight, and freeze into free form and flowing through practicing the 12 steps and staying accountable to change. Don't forget to keep on
2: keeping on.